Alrighty, couple quick shout outs before we uh, really get going. I just want to say a quick shout out to Penny. I know how um, how much guts that took to do a communion message, so well done. Um, also this morning as we saw and most of you would see and know, Gordon and Michelle are, are often on hosting and they do a tremendous job. And um, ever since uh, the nearly two years or so since I've been pastoring here, Nearly every week, faithfully, they're just doing something and uh, they never whinge, they never complain. They're just absolute heroes of the faith. So let's give them a round of applause. And I really don't want that. And you know what? There's often times where Daryl or I go to do something, like, oh, I've got to mow the lawn or I've got to fix the sandpit. And you go around to do it and Gordon's already beat us to it. And um, that's just incredible. So I just want to say a massive thank you to you guys. We appreciate you more than we probably ever say. So... We all should say it more. Today, I want to end our series um, on how to be joyful and thankful. And before I do, I want to talk about we've got a few weeks coming in to Easter. Um, John doesn't know it yet, but he's going to be preaching one of the weeks coming up um, and and myself and a few others. And then after Easter, I've, I, was, I was praying about where we go next. And there's a couple of series that I've wanted to do. But I really felt like God say that as a church, we should just journey through a short book of the Bible. And so... I think I know what we could do, but if someone's got it on their heart that we should do this, it doesn't mean we're going to do it. Um, it's open for suggestion at this stage in the next week or two. Daryl's going, oh, goody, goody. But, but I'd love for us just to, um, from maybe April to end of July or something, or a 10 to 12 week, look through a book of the Bible. So um, open to suggestions, um, but don't be offended if we don't go with what you suggest. Um, and there's always a chance of that. <laughs> The, the Gospels are very long, so I said short book of the Bible. Good morning. <laughs> the two things that we talk about, how to be joyful and how to be thankful, they're ultimately intertwined. Um, you know, it's like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Because, you know, if you're joyful, then you should be thankful. And if you're thankful, you should be joyful. And um, we've spoken in this series about Super Apostle Paul, you know, one of the guys that I love so much in the Bible. We talked about the fact that he's a guy with ridiculous levels of joy, levels that the rest of us go, oh. you know, you know, those people that are always happy all the time and you go, oh, they're a little bit like sometimes they can be a little bit irritating because you go, is that real or is it not real? Because I'm going through stuff over here and they've just always got this smile and Paul's this guy who, despite the fact that here as he's um, taught, um, writing letters to the churches, he's in prison, facing probable death. Life didn't go the way he'd planned it to go. Instead of sulking, instead of pity parties, instead of laying down and just waiting to die, he's not doing that in prison. He's writing letters. And it's not this is the, uh, the end type letters. These are letters where he's training, encouraging, you know, championing on the church and those that he loved. And we started the series um, by suggesting if we could sit with the Apostle Paul for a coffee or a beer or a chat or anything like that, um, you'd, you'd probably go, mate, what's your secret? Like, what's this? What is it that despite the external things that are absolute rubbish, despite your plans not going the way you wanted them to, how can you have this joy? How can you be saying multiple times in these letters, and I rejoice, and I rejoice, and you should rejoice? And, and it's hard. It's crazy. It's so far from where we often live. And, and I said in week one of the series that if we ask him that, he might say that there's four Ps 
that we could take on board that could help us. And they were, and I asked us last week at the park, and the first one was that we need a higher platform to climb onto, which actually talked about a different perspective. We need to see things from God's perspective. And the second thing was that we need a priority to cling to. And the third thing was that we need a purpose to lean into. And the last one was the one that we all forgot, the forgotten P, and it was power. It's still not pizza. And I was thinking early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, about the forgotten P. And it's interesting how in our Christian lives, you know, we're working towards constant joy and thankfulness. And as we're living our lives day to day, the forgotten P, power, is the thing we most commonly forget as Christians. Like just this week, I had a pretty full-on crazy week. I was asked to go to the hospital and pray for a lady who has either passed or is about to pass away. And I was asked to go and pray for the family and pray for the people. I knew none of these people. Um, Somehow they knew me through a connection, a friend of a friend's friend's friend in Leeton. Um, And so it caused me a level of anxiousness. You know, I don't know how these people are going. I don't know how their mental health state is. I don't know um, the the lady who I'm praying for who's about to pass away. I don't absolutely know whether um, she loved Jesus or whether she did not love Jesus or, or anything in between. And it caused me a level of grief, anxiety as I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to walk. And what I forgot was I had a similar situation a couple years earlier. And in that situation, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit came with me and it wasn't about what I had prepared. It was about me walking in and allowing the power of God to take over that situation and bring comfort. But I forgot. And when I went in, all of a sudden, one of the family members was a bloke I played footy with 15 years ago and I was able to speak into his life. And God, through his power, ordained that moment. But I forgot that we carry this power that can help us through any situation. I had a situation of friction over these last couple of weeks also with some people who I shouldn't have had friction with. And in my mind, I'm thinking, how on earth are we going to move past this? How is there going to be healing? How is there going to be forgiveness? Yet I forgot of the amazing power of the Holy Spirit to change all of the hearts involved. I also had a young man who I've previously youth pastored many years ago in another church ring me going through a really horrible time and situation. In my mind, the first point of call was, how's he going to get through this? Yet I forgot that the Holy Spirit has done time and time again miracles in many people's lives in similar situations, but I forgot of the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And I bet you're just like me. You could tell me stories of many times in your day, your week, your life, maybe even today where you're going through a situation and we forgot about that forgotten P, about the power of God that is in us that we're able to tap into and allow to take control and move a situation from causing us great worry and great stress and great anxiety to a place where through a rough situation we can have joy. My prayer today is simply this, that we remember, that we learn to remember the forgotten P, the power we have available to us. And so Paul's in prison, in chains for the gospel, and it's widely accepted that he penned all of Philippians, which is mainly the passages that we've um, leaned into in this series, um, Philemon, Colossians and Ephesians while in prison. And I was struck when I was 
um, reading Ephesians. And so if we're in a sermon series and you look at the context, you go, hang on, if Paul wrote all those books around the same time, why don't I read all of them? And so I was going through all of them. And as I read Ephesians, I got struck on this, and it's going to go up on the screen, I think, and we're going to read it, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. I'll be reading from the NIV. And it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father God, as we just unpack a little bit of this scripture today, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every person here today not necessarily in the words that I've prepared, but in a word that's relevant for every single person. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here amongst us, in us, willing just to encourage us and to speak to us. Amen. So as I read this prayer by Paul in Ephesians, I look at it from a preacher's point of view and I'm analysing why he is talking the way he is talking and 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 writers would call what his the way his prayer is scripted as as like a progression. It's it's that something's being built, which leads to something else that's being built, which leads to something else that's being built to crescendo to a certain point. And I started looking at it from that structure and that context, and I started to wonder and think if remembering to stay connected to the power of the Holy Spirit is actually a little bit like that in the life of a Christian. As in if there's a progression that is being built. And Paul's building one here to tell us something rather important. And as I was pondering this progression, it started to remind me of electricity, right? And uh, I've recently built a house and so one of the things you need to do is put electricity on. And to use electricity, it's not as easy as just turning on a PowerPoint, right? You must have it available first at your boundary, then you pay a, a stage two electrician a billion dollars to, uh, to wire it up to your meter box. Then you're lucky and you have a father-in-law who can then run the electricity from um, one stage to your house. But there's a, there's a process that takes place um, in getting electricity to the point where you can turn it on. So furthermore to that, if you've got electricity on in your house, you can't just put a fork in the socket and use that power well. <laughs> You could use the power, just not well. You need an appliance. Furthermore to that, you probably need to turn that appliance on. And so there's a progression of steps that's needed to use that power, electricity. I feel like Paul's prayer leans a little bit in like that. I feel like there's a progression in his prayer that's connecting the people or encouraging the people he's writing a letter to, the Ephesians and us, to the power of God. Now, I know a little bit about electricity, but very little compared to most. Thankfully, Kezia's dad knew a lot more than me. Um, but even if I knew everything 
that there was to know about electricity, which wires are positive, which wires are negative. If I knew everything there was to know and I walked up to a PowerPoint and because I know electricity, I can just speak to the PowerPoint and say, flow electricity, it's not going to work because there's still a process that needs to happen. I still need to plug something in and I still need to turn it on. And my point is, it does you no good to know all about electricity unless you follow the progression to make it work. And the whole point of Paul's prayer, perhaps, is that it's not just enough to know all about God, to read about his power. We actually need to connect, to plug into the power of God. When we remember to do that, we can benefit from that power, just like when you plug in a light and turn it on. Ephesians chapter 1, 2 and 3, because we're sitting here in chapter 3 and I don't just want to pick a little bit out and just just make it fit what I need to fit, but it's a description of us, a description of believers. Paul reminds us that we are chosen before the world was created. That's good news. He reminds us that God has placed his spirit within us and then he reminds us that Jesus Christ resides within us. And the truth is we can know all about God's word, but we won't be able to utilise God's power until we connect to the source of that power. And that is what Paul's prayer is about in verses 14 to 21. And the, the really sad thing is that there's multiple Christians around the world who know the Bible backwards and forwards and upside down and back to front, but they fail to plug in to the power of God. And it's the forgotten P in the Christian world's. And I want to encourage us today about plugging into God's power because in plugging into his power, that's how we can live with a greater level of joy. And the first thing we need to know as as we're looking at following this progress or this process about plugging into the power of the Holy Spirit is the progression begins, progression begins in verse 14 where it says this, For this reason, this is Paul, I kneel before the Father whenever You see, for this reason, you want to know what reason, right? Well, that's how my mind goes when I'm reading the Bible. Because Paul's saying, for this reason, I'm praying. What moves Paul to cry out to God, to call out to God on behalf of other Christians? And so to find out, we go back to the very um, first verse of this chapter and we look at verse 1 and when you read that, he starts the same way. He says, for this reason, I, Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he goes into verse 2 and he says, surely. And there's like this pause, right, between verse 1 and verse 2. And it kind of feels like Paul was about to go into prayer because that's how he starts his prayer later on in verse 14. But it's kind of like he pauses and he starts thinking, before I can pray my prayer for these Christian people that I'm speaking into, Before I can pray God's power over their life, I've got to tell them something. And it's like he he, is something that's more important for them. And then he reminds them of unity of all believers. And it's kind of like he's saying, if you want God's power, first you need unity amongst yourselves. And I guess maybe he's showing us that one of the, the early steps in connecting into God's power is having this pure heart. And from chapters um. From chapter 3, verse 2 to 13, it's kind of like this interlude before he goes into prayer. He's saying, hang on, before I pray, let me tell you something. And then he goes on to talk about unity. 
And it's a great reminder for all of us that if there's disunity in the church, it can be like the thing that trips the power, that short circuits what God is trying to do. And then we come to verse 14, 14, and Paul is about to pray. He's gone to pray. He's had the pause. He's explained about unity. And now he goes to pray. And what I really enjoyed was his position on prayer. He's on his knees. Now I find it, and I don't think Paul's campaigning to say, if you're going to pray, you have to pray on your knees. It's not a command. We see him pray multiple times through Scripture And as far as I can tell, this is the only time he references that he's on his knees. So then we go, well, why did he reference that he's on his knees this time? I don't know. But maybe it's to remind us that there's an attitude of honour and reverence and submission that we should approach God when we pray. So Paul's praying for the Ephesian church while writing this letter The apostle felt led to bow his knee, we're not exactly sure why, before the Father on their behalf. And there's so many people across the world that tell you, you know, you must pray this way or you must pray that way. There's a group of Christians once that were arguing about the right way to pray. And one said, I I think God hears you, there's a Pentecostal, when your arms are lifted in the air. And another, maybe someone slightly more conservative said, I think we need to kneel and bow. And the argument went on and on and on about the best posture for prayer until someone said, well, this one time I fell down a well backwards and when I fell down the well, my leg was caught on the rope and as I'm hanging upside down with my head facing the ground, I prayed the most effective prayer that I've ever prayed. Because the truth is it doesn't matter what way we pray, but what we see in this scripture is there was something about Paul wanting us to understand in the posture of his prayer. So the position of prayer is not the issue, yet it reminds us that Paul's passionate. Because elsewhere we see in the Bible, when people knelt for prayer, there was, there was a level of increased intensity or passion in people's prayer. And so it's interesting, so far we see that Paul has paused to prioritise unity. And then he's shown us there's a passion or honour or reverence associated with prayer and the next thing, we, next thing we see in Ephesians 3 verse 15 is Paul praises God. Ephesians 3 verse 15, he goes on to say, From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It's a statement of praise of the greatness of God. So verse 1 to 13 is the pause. And then verse 14 is the prayer. And verse 15 is the praise All P words, what a coincidence. And then we get to verse 16 and he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Church, when I got to this part of the scripture in writing my sermon, I I really felt like God brought me here today to tell us that a pause, a prayer and a praise is the process for plugging into the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that one more time. A pause, a prayer, and a praise is the process of plugging into the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, the pause, it refocuses us on what the priority is. And the prayer refocuses us around our perspective. And the praise renews our understanding of purpose, three of the four Ps that we talked about in our series. And these things work together to power up our inner being. That's an interesting word, our inner being. What's an inner being? Other versions of your Bible would say the inner man. 
but I'm being far more inclusive this morning and not using the word man, but inner being. The inner being is the real you. The inner being is your soul, your thought, your actions. The inner being is what makes you, you. The outer being is the colour of your hair or the cap you put on your ugly head or the height, your weight, your co- the colour of your eyes. And we can clothe the outer being. We can feed it. We can exercise it. We can bathe it. But the inner being is soul. It's spirit. The outer being you can touch. The inner being you can only touch with spiritual things. And I think what Paul is saying here is we had to strengthen the inner being. And there's something about strengthening the inner being that's directly related to joy. You know, we can work at the outer being, and most of us do. We can clothe it, dress it, feed it, comb it, part it, pat it, wash it, dry it, smear it with cream. And truth be told, we all spend so much time on the outer being. But if we look back at our series, the outer being relates more to happiness. The inner being relates more to joy. And Paul's saying we need to spend some time on our inner being and that will bring us joy. And the truth is that as much as we focus on our outer being, at some point we're all going to get old and at some point, you might not want to hear it, but we're all going to die. In that hospital room this week, I spoke about the fact that we all die. And as great a miracle it was that Lazarus was raised from the dead, the harsh reality that doesn't preach well in Pentecostal churches is Lazarus died again. So we know how to strengthen the outer being, eat right, sleep right, exercise, and we can cut and style our hair, dress the outer being, and for a while it will be strengthened and while it will be happy, but eventually it's going to get old. I believe Paul's showing us in his prayer the things required, the steps in the process or the progression to have power continually plugged into our inner being that will bring us constant joy. And it's through the pause, it's through the prayer and then through the praise, which reminds us and again focuses us on the inner dwelling presence of the God who's in us. And don't misunderstand me when I'm talking about the indwelling presence. I'm not talking about the wonderful presence at the, during or around our time of worship as a corporate gathering. It's the presence that's with you as you're praying in the car. It's the presence of God that's with you when you, you don't know what to say, but you're asking God and he's giving you words. It's the presence as you open Scripture and allow words that were penned thousands of years ago to speak into your life, and they're actually relevant for the moment that you're in. And the Bible tells us to fill our heart and minds with the Word of God. And as we do that, we can watch as the present, the presence indwells and flows in us. The next verse, verse 17, says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, dot, dot, dot. There's a key in those words, so that Christ may dwell. Now you go to one of the other um, prison literature, the letters that um, Paul wrote while in this time of imprisonment in Rome, and go to Colossians. And in Colossians 3 verse 16, um, Paul wrote, same time, same circumstance, same heart, different Um, group of people he's writing it to. He says in verse 7, let the message of Christ dwell among you. 
So around the same time, he's, he's writing and saying, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And then to a different audience, he's saying, let the message of Christ dwell in you. And to me, that points, the message of Christ is our Bible. And so we need to allow the message of God to dwell in us so that, Ephesians 3.16, so that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So you strengthen your inner being by filling your mind with the word of God. And the flow on is that he strengthens us through his spirit. What if we spent, how's this for a uh, challenge? What if we spent the same amount of time on the inner being as we do on the outer being? Even just on a Sunday before we come to church. What about on a Monday? The time we spend on our outer being getting ready for work. Do we give that time to the inner being? Because the truth is we're never going to be able to stand firm and faith-filled and full of joy unless we allow the Spirit of God to strengthen us. And until we decide to remain plugged into the available power source that we have. And Paul's praying, Lord, I want you to release your power in the life of the believer. And most of us forget and we don't plug in to that available power and we limp along and we feel inadequate. And then we read verses like Ephesians 3 verse 20 and it's just like this pipe dream. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. But as I prepared this message and as I reshaped it and, and asked God to speak, I realise in the busyness and the craziness of this life, maybe we don't forget about the power. Maybe the forgotten P is more that we forget to pause. Or maybe it's we forget to pray. Or maybe it's we forget to praise. Or maybe it's we forget to understand that his very presence is living inside of us. So I don't always think that we forget his power. And the forgotten P might not be, in fact, power, but simply that we forget that we have a God pursuing us. And the process of plugging back into his power is made easier by the fact, the progression is made easier by the fact that know that when you pause and when you pray and when you praise, our God is pursuing connection with us. Can I challenge us this week? As long as we spend time on our outer being, maybe spend some time this week on our inner being. Just pause and pray and praise and allow the pursuing God to connect and plug us back in once again to the power. And Ephesians 3.16 says, He will strengthen you. Not I have to read my Bible so that I get strength. He will strengthen you. He does it because he's pursuing us. He will fill you with power. If I could have the music team back up, we're just going to sing one more song and we're going to close. Please hang around, hang out with us, have some morning tea and a coffee or tea or bonox or hot water. Or We're just going to allow the music team to uh, sing one more song. If you want prayer for anything, I'd love to pray with you this morning. Um, We'll just allow God to speak. Just, just do some of your own business with God as we sing this final song. Let's stand and sing.